Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So when Tristan Wirfs came to the league, he was all of about 20 going on 21 years old. And... As I wrote, he was like this man child, right? Giant, 325-pound dude with feet like a dancing bear. And, you know, instantly won a Super Bowl with the Bucs. Uh, became an all-pro his second year. He's been to two Pro Bowls. When we talked to him about moving to left tackle from right tackle, his original position, he said, I'm like a newborn baby now. <laughs> so... Maybe these are baby steps he's taking over these last few months. And, oh, by the way, he um, sort of let us in on, on a little bit of uh, perspective with respect to when he found out he was going to play left tackle. Yeah, it was the day after the season when he met with Todd Bowles. Now, maybe it was a suggestion at that point, or, hey, would you try it? Or if we don't get someone else, I don't really know. But they were clearly going to. To cut Donovan Smith. Well, that, that wouldn't make sense to me. I mean, yeah. I, look, if you saw Donovan Smith play last year, you knew what his salary was. I mean, it, there was no we way were talking he was about that team. long before the season ended that they were sure. going to walk away from we that. Thought, we thought maybe they should bench him during the season. So if if you might move Tristan Wirth to left tackle, yeah. then you want to tell him as soon as possible. Get his reaction? Uh, well, I would not so much his reaction, but get his mindset ready. This off season's different. I've got to. I've got to adjust. I've got to learn this. I got to do this. You don't want to wait till May and June with OTAs. What if he wasn't willing, or is it just his personality is such that you knew he would do it? I, I think Jason Light, Todd Bowles, and that know him well enough that. I mean, I'm Team sure. I'm sure the conversation's been had in the past of. Yeah. You know, could you play left tackle, et cetera? Yeah. So. To me, you know, you want to tell these guys as soon as possible so it's in their mindset. And if you happen to go get a left tackle this offseason, whether it was through the uh-huh. draft or someone became yeah. available, you can always move him back to right just because you mm-hmm. had that conversation. But you want him ready and preparing to be the left tackle this year. The more time he has, the better that is for him. Yeah. Well, he, he hasn't. Um, resisted it. In fact, he's embraced it almost from day one. And he did play three games at Iowa many, many years ago. But, you know, the more we talk to him, I think we just kind of take for granted that, oh, yeah, he can do it. Oh, this will be seamless. He's he's a great athlete. He's not going to. This will be fine. You know what? It might not be fine right away. I mean, I think he'll work at it, and I think he'll be very, very good. But will he be an all-pro? I don't know. I mean – just because you're an all-pro at right tackle doesn't mean you can do it at left tackle too. And so, you know, like he said, and I've heard this sort of analogy before, if you're right-handed, try work, try writing only with your left hand now and tell me how it goes. Um, everything's backwards, right? The steps are backwards. Instead of throwing, you know, your your right hand into the chest, you know, the outside pad of the of the pass rusher or the guy you're blocking, now, now it's your left hand. And if you throw your right hand, you open up yourself inside to get beat. 
So you you know you you have to work those levers in complete opposite directions, right? You step with your left foot. You don't step. You don't put the weight on your on your on your right foot that you've been doing all these years. So it, it's it's completely backwards, right? That's the old thing they said that uh, you know everybody what a great dancer Fred Astaire was, but Ginger Rogers did everything he did but backwards. Well, that's kind of kind of how you're how you're positioning yourself right now. It's a totally different side, and you know. It's not that he lacks for confidence or he doesn't think he can do it. I just think he made it clear that, like, this is not without him being consumed by it. Like, we asked him, so, like, he was asked, how much, how often do you think about this? He goes, all the time, every day. Because it's all, I'm consumed with it. It's all I think about is is playing this position. And, you know, he's got a high standard, and, and clearly he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to uh, to compromise any of that. Um, but yeah, he goes, you know, I'm having to do stuff that I've never had to do before. Like wake up my left hand. That's just kind of been sitting by my side all these years. Um, and he's got a new teammate, you know, next to him with, uh, Matt Feeler playing, playing, uh, left guard. So there's just a lot of new and, and without putting the pads on, there's very, really very little to, sort of evaluate, but this is a time where you'd be doing a lot of the steps and, you know, trying to retrain your body and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it, it wasn't, you know, Worfs is always upbeat. He's, he's always positive, but he was a little sobering today. I got to be honest with you. I think, I think he wanted to let people know we asked, so it wasn't like he volunteered it, but we asked, but I think he wanted people to know like, this is just not, oh, now you're playing left tackle. Sure. Go over there. You know? A lot of the principles are the same. You're still blocking people, right? But you're doing it in a totally different side in a totally using totally different um, skill set. The one thing you can say about left tackles, however, and this will play in his favor because he's going to be entering his fifth-year option next year, and that is they make more money. Uh, Trent Williams of the 49ers, he's the highest-paid left tackle, about $19.4 million per season. Highest-paid right tackle is the Colts' Braden Smith. He's around $16 million. So there's $3.5 million per year right there. And, of course, those salaries are only going to be go up and up. When and if Tristan, Tristan Wirfs does hit his um, free agency time and, and, and his next big contract, he's going to be the highest paid something, right, whether it's left or right. He, he's going to wind up because he'll have that many stripes. But I, I just – it's interesting. I just got the feeling and sort of – you know, it's very easy for people to say, and maybe even for the Bucks to say, oh, he'll be fine. Oh, we know he can get it done. Oh, you know, he'll make this seamlessly. And and there's just a hell of a lot of work. And, and, and if you if you read Worf's face, some concern because he doesn't want to compromise his level of play. And his level of play is the best in the league at what he does. Uh, and that's what he wants to be. Well, not so, only that, but but let's take this into account too. He's moving to left tackle, a position he hasn't played mm. much. Right. And he's going from the world's greatest quarterback, yeah. who is very stationary, and you know exactly where he's going to be in that pocket and where you need That's to protect. Right. That's right. To a new quarterback, presumably Baker Mayfield, but possibly Kyle Trask. That's and right. a quarterback that may scramble and move around a lot more. And now you're at That's the right. left tackle on their blind side, and mm-hmm. you don't always know where your quarterback is behind you. Right. And and so I'm sure that worries him a little bit too. It's you know that that is as an offensive lineman, one of the things with Tom Brady is you knew where he was going to be. 
Sure. And and Tom Brady got rid of the football. I mean, well, he, too. as bad as we talked about their offensive line, and rightfully so last year, do you know they were last in the league in sacks allowed with just 22? Now, I would I would submit to you, that's all Brady. That's that's Brady not willing to take a hit. That's him seeing guys get beat and, and dumping the ball, dirting the ball. He he would avoid that negative play and, and the contact as much as any quarterback that ever lived, especially last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are different. Um, you know, they're learning a new offense. You know, this is the other thing. It'd be one thing if you said to Tristan Wirfs, Hey, go to the left side. It's the same offense. You know, everything. Oh, and it's the same guy you're playing next to different guard, totally different offense. A lot of zone runs, um, which presumably could help them ultimately in the pass game because there's so much play action. There's so much bootlegs and waggles and things like that. Um, the, the, the linemen are moving off the ball all the time. So they kind of embrace that a little bit. But it's not like you're just learning steps of playing the position. You're learning a new offense while playing the position. You know, So this, this is, this, I just think that we look at these guys and we don't think about the amount of study time they need, about the amount of reps they need to, to dig in and build muscle memory. And that's what football is. Football is reaction. It's technique. It's it's grooving those things um, to make you a great player, so you can be consistent and play fast. And so you know what, he might not be as fast, and he might not be as consistent. We just have to see. I wouldn't bet against them, by the way. But it was it was kind of a it was kind of a sobering thing. One thing I can tell you though, he's getting very close to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so these dudes have been out kind of on the town. I know I know several people that have seen him around. Um, mostly at restaurants. In fact, he said the first place Baker asked him to go was to dinner. He goes, so he went right to my heart. And so they've done a lot of dinners, including with Baker's wife. Um, Pretty smart of Baker Mayfield to befriend not just the whole team, but really get close to the guys that's protecting your backside. (laughs) He... Baker Mayfield gets a check mark for smarts when it comes to that. Well, and the guy that has potential to be a Hall of Famer in his career. That too, sure. Absolutely. I mean, not only is it the guy protecting your blind side, but it's the best one on that line. The best player, yeah. The, the guy that's the uh, presumably... You could make a I case he's the best player on the team. Well, I think so. Um, I, th- I think, you know, Ryan Jensen will get a lot of... A lot of run because of his personality mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. all this. Ryan Jensen has made a Pro Bowl before. He's never going to be Tristan Wirfs. He's a much older player and, and most of his career is behind him. Tristan Wirfs, if he continues on the trajectory he's on and stays healthy, which he has done to this point, is going to put on a gold jacket. I, I truly believe that. I, I think I think that, that Jason Light has drafted two Hall of Fame players. And one of them is Mike Evans, which was his first pick ever, and the other one was Tristan Wirfs. Um, We'll see, you know, there's other guys that are really good players that would have to, you know, have a tremendous five, six, seven, eight years going forward. You could say Devin White's one of those guys, maybe an Antoine Winfield. You know, there's there's certain dudes that, you know, will merit a lot of attention uh, if, they, if they flash. But those two guys are the two, particularly Tristan. I think, I think with Mike, his consistency is, is going to be the thing that, when you get in that room, you start talking about the Hall of Fame. You know, a guy that that obliterated a record with now nine straight seasons of a thousand yards, probably be ten after this year. The incredible production, the touchdowns, the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowls. 
Um, he's by the time he's done, he's going to pile up so many big numbers. I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. Quite frankly, might not be a first ballot guy. Um, so I think I think he's one. But with Worfs, with Worfs, I think it's just a matter of staying healthy. I mean, if that guy plays fourteen to seventeen games every year, um, I I just I think he's just that talented and that committed to doing it the right way. So those are the two guys I think I think I could say you know Jason Light. Those might be his best two draft picks ever because they both very well could be hall- headed to the Pro Football Hall of Fame down the road. One note, uh, we had a chance to talk to Joe Tryon Shawinka. Um, you know, he. the funny thing is about Joe is like he's the same age as guys that are coming out in the draft that spent six years in college, like Josh Hayes. Like they're both the same age. But Joe has played two years in the NFL. And, of course, his first year um, coming off a COVID year in college where he didn't play was kind of didn't really have a position. They kind of he was a man on an island. They moved him all over the place, rushed him inside, rushed him outside, all of that because Jason Pierre-Paul was still here. Um, but he's learned from him and Shaq Barrett. Uh, and last year was his big bite of the apple. And quite frankly, he kind of laid a dud. I mean, to be honest with you, if, you just, if you were just looking at production, you see a flat line between year one with four and a half sacks and then year two with all those reps and all those um, percentage of defensive plays, still four and a half sacks. And what Todd Bowles will tell you is, yeah, but if you turn on the film, uh, there are twice as many opportunities uh, to get sacks that he didn't get as the ones he did. And so if he just takes half those guys down, he's had a big year. Um, and there's a variety of reasons why he just didn't finish. You know, some of it was you know, knowing when to go for the ball and when and when you have no chance of stripping it and just putting the guy on the ground, um, going for too much of a big play. Some of it was just, you know, finishing, you know, getting the guy on the ground and, and not trying to blow through him, but but actually, you know, tackle him and put him down. So when you when you watch it, it's very frustrating according to both Bulls and Joe Tryon Shawinka. But this is a huge year for him because we don't know what Shaq Barrett's going to be, right? Coming off an Achilles injury, uh, we'll see him in the mandatory minicamp. But you know, between between his injury and, and and the tragedy that befell that that family, you you just don't know what you're going to get there. Um, and then you know they they got a bunch of young guys, you know, Yaya Diaby and 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 you know some of the young outside pass rushers. So you have to have a guy like Shoinka become productive and be one of he's weirdly he's one of their older players in the room at outside linebacker going into his third year um he's got to make a big step a huge step and the pressure's on him because he's a first round pick you know and, and he looks like he's, he's got the body the physique i think he works hard at it it's got to happen you know i've known a lot of guys that that had the the measurables um but when they got on the field, they just didn't seem to produce. And this is the third year, one, two, third year for Joe, and, and he's got to produce, and he's got to produce right away. Uh, every OTA, he's taking it very seriously. He looks like he's in tremendous shape. He always he looks like a damn Marvel comic character, to be honest with you. Um, but he's got to put all that together, and he's got to do it soon. All right, we'll talk a little Rays baseball. They beat the Minnesota Twins, and we also got your mailbag questions coming up real quick. But first, I want to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's May 
Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area now for 13 years. You may get some knocks on the doors from other people, but here's the difference. May Electric is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. It's what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products to conduct on-site testing. They're going to customize those solar uh, energy needs to you and and your home. And they don't use subcontractors. That's important. Everybody up there working, uh, those are Billy Mays guys, and you know who's doing the job. Start saving right now today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, Rays return home and ho-hum. They uh, just obliterate the Twins. I think it was 7 nothing was the final, if I'm not mistaken. The Bucks over the Vikings week one, 7 nothing. <laughs> Whoa, they'll take that. <laughs> yeah, kind of a slow start for Dave Canales, but what about that defense? Uh, and, and how about that defense? How about that pitching, right? Zach Eflin uh, has, has been incredible at home this year. I mean, he's had a great season, period. He's but at good home, anyway, he's but really yeah. Good. Yeah. I and, think and, he's 7-0 seven, seven and oh now. At That's home, right. yes, yes. Yeah. And talk about obliterating. How about what uh, Luke Raley and Jose Siri did Oof. to their home run balls? Oh, my God. The one that Raley hits is is three-quarters of the way up the center field backdrop, back spot. I mean, it's just – he looks like Paul Bunyan up there to me. Like, he doesn't have the same shape, the same physique. You know, uh, he's he's a bigger or big-ish guy with the giant forearms and kind of – Kind of just swats the ball, you know what I mean? And if he gets it in the air, it goes a long, long way. But you made a point. Um, not only does he hit and hit with power, how about the wheels the big man showed when he uh, smacked a triple to to right field? Yeah, it was his first triple in the big leagues, but I think they said he had 28 of them in the minors. 28 in the minors, yeah. Like, like you you look at him, you're like, yeah, he ain't hitting triples. It's like when Yandy Diaz hits a, a Little League home run. You're like, Yandy Diaz? <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, dude Jose Siri did that. Man. You're like, okay, no problem. I get that. But, yeah, yeah I mean, he was, he was flying. But, yeah, the Rays just – we've said this so many times. They're just relentless offensively. Like, they just come at you in waves. And they do. It's so fun to watch. Like, we, I mean, as Rays fans, you've been pining for this for a, a, a decade now. It's always had good pitching and defense. Maybe the pitching's taken a little bit of a step back this year as a whole. But, man, the offense took how many steps forward? I can't even describe to you. We're, we're adding this up. There are There's like five guys we came up with that, that have a pretty – that are on pace for about 29 to 30 home runs right now. Five guys with 11 or more home runs. Jeez. And, and 11 home runs. Four of those guys have 11. That pace for 62 games is what, what the Rays have played at this point. That pace is 29 home runs. Yeah. I mean, a good week, and you're at 30 for all of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's ever happened, by the way. I'd have to look that up, but that seems like a hell of a lot of guys to hit 30-plus bombs. It does. I mean, they have 11 guys with seven or more home runs right now, which would be it's like 18 or 19 home runs is the pace. Yeah. I mean, what you could have one through eight with 20-plus home runs. <laughs> 
And how, and if you don't think that's enough, how about the steals on this team? I mean, how many guys could go 30-30, right? I mean, they're stealing bases with reckless abandon, too, and taking extra bases. Like, their base running is – you remember how they used to run themselves out of a lot of innings and they were uber-aggressive, mm-hmm. and you're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, yeah, yeah, take chances, sure. But they ran stupid, right? They mm-hmm. just – they weren't smart when they ran the bases. Now they're aggressive and smart, mm-hmm. you know? Now it seems like every chance they take, they 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 get they're safe, and then they're in scoring position, and then comes the sack fly or the ground out, or in the case of, I forget who had a, uh, uh, I think it was Bruhan, Bruhan one of the them bunt. had a yeah, sack had bunt. the bunt the sack bunt with the runner at third base, kind of a safety squeeze, if you will. Um, so they just they just you know move well, early, guys around early in the game. I don't remember if it was the third or fourth inning. Randy Rosarina's on second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Harold Ramirez was on first. And uh, I, I forget who hit the fly ball deep to the outfield. In right. years past, Randy would have been three-quarters of the way to third base. Mm-hmm. And he went back to second. He's tagging. Because if the ball yeah. goes over the outfielder's head, you're scoring anyway. He's going to walk home, yeah. So he tag- he advances to third. Next at bat's yep. a bloop single over the shortstop and second baseman. Yep. You know, you're not sure off that. Harold Ramirez got a great read on that. Yeah, he did. And he, he never stopped. He was going first, so he knew it was going to drop. First or third. But because Randy was on third, he was able to score on that play. That's correct. Mm-hmm. You know, at second base, you may not get that read off that bat. Mm-mm. And so he may not have known. Had he had he not advanced to third on the play before, he right. doesn't score that run. I mean, it's, it's those kind of things that you've seen growth in this team. And, and they're oh, aggressive. Yeah, sure. They're going to get thrown out on the bases occasionally because they're so aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's you know what we always talk about is is you know make them make a good play. Yeah, if it's bang bang, you can't you don't yeah. have a problem with right. it. You know what I mean? But it's the it's the I went running on a deep fly ball, assuming it was going to land, and oh nope, turns out it was caught. Now I got to track back because I'm already a base and a half forward down the road. You know, yeah. it's those kind of mistakes that you're not well, seeing. Get as thrown much out this at year. third on it. Get thrown out at third on a chopper to short. You know, mm-hmm. stuff just. Silly yep. stuff that yeah, they you're not seeing that this year like we have in the past, which is no, they're it, running smart mm-hmm. and and aggressively, and they're forcing teams to make throws and make plays, and they're not able to do mm-hmm. it. And we saw it with the Red Sox; they were throwing it all over the place when they oh, were yeah. the issue. Yeah, no, it was. It, they just have so many ways to beat you offensively, and and for the most part, they they jump on you early, like they get a lead. And it's you know one nothing in the first, three nothing in the third, you know. And before you know it, you look up and it's like, man, we've dug ourselves a pretty big hole against this pitching, you know. And the starting pitching has been terrific. It's just waiting for the bullpen to round itself out, which I think it will as you get more guys healthy perhaps. Um, but their top three starters, I don't know how you could ask for more than what they're getting out of those guys. And it's unfortunate that Springs is down and Rasmussen and all those guys. Um, but, you know, some of the younger players are coming up and doing a nice job with, you know, Ties Bradley and all those guys. So I, I, I think against the lesser teams, particularly in the AL Central, AL West, some of the, although the Texas Rangers are going to come in here, I can't wait for that series. That's the only team that has a bigger differential mm-hmm. and more runs than the Rays do. What are those games going to look like? You know, it's a 12 shame. To ten. It's a shame because the Rays and the Rangers, the two best teams in Major League Baseball, right, are playing this weekend, mm-hmm. and it's the Yankees Red Sox on Sunday Night Baseball. <sighs> So sick of those guys. The next That's two TV weeks, the though, next man. two weeks, it's those two teams. 
Yeah. And Dallas is a big market, but you know, that all they're doing is pandering to the advertiser, you know, to the to the to the market share with New York and and whatnot. But it's so old, it's so played. I mean the Red Sox are bad. They're a bad you know, team. They're not even, they're not even good. No. They're just not even good. And so even even the particularly, Red Sox particularly defensively the they're not good. No. No. And Alex Core even said that. We're not a good defensive team. They're not. No, they throw it all over the place. And I don't think they're that good pitching either. I, I, I don't like – there's not much I like about the Red Sox right yeah. now. I mean, I heard Neil Solens was talking about it the other day. He's like, okay, Kiki Hernandez in center field's a plus defender. Sure he is. Name me another guy you would say is a above-average defender on that team at, at their I position mean, relative to the league. Yeah, I don't think they have one. I mean – I don't think they have one. No, the right they don't. fielders sometimes. Um, but, yeah, no, for the most part, they're just okay. Or mm-hmm. below, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not good defensively. Yeah, I mean, there's, I there's, they're still they're not there yet. I mean, no, and they're at I think five hundred now. I don't know if they they may have played tonight, but that's a team in the alleys I could see falling out and falling hard before you know before we get much past the All Star break. They may just they might just implode a little bit. They won tonight, Red so they're Sox. actually a game above five hundred again. But are they Red Sox fan is not happy. There. You're used to seeing Fenway just completely. You know, it was a little cold, but just completely, uh, you know, rocked to the gills. It wasn't that over the weekend at all. Um, but the Rays at home too. Their home record has been phenomenal. I mean, just they're mm-hmm. a different ball club here. Um, and you know, they got a nice home stand with the Twins, and then yeah, we'll see what they do against the Rangers and if they're able to contain that offense or at least match it. Um, but man, they uh, they're, they're you're right. They're fun to watch. I turned the game on. And I'm watching Rayleigh, and I'm watching, um, you know, guys hitting bombs and Surrey and all that. And I'm just going, this is every night. Like every night, they're they're destroying somebody. You know, I went downstairs. I'm like, they're just destroying the Minnesota Twins right now. Like this is not. This is like, you'd stop this if it, you know the old cliche if it was a fight. They were never. They were never a threat. They were never in the game. And that's what you do to teams that you're just better than. You know, you just. And this is after winning three out of four and the eternal road trip that they came off with all those days that they had to spend in Boston, the extra day and the extra game. Um, didn't phase them, man. Came home, balling out. That's what this team does every night. You know, they, they absolutely ball out. And they've got injuries right now. They've got guys they're missing um, and guys that aren't 100%, but, boy, are they playing well. So, you know, we'll see if they can keep it going. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, we'll get to a couple of your mailback questions here. We still have time for that. There'll be more for this week as well, so let's uh, nail a couple of these before we get out of here. Well, since we're talking Rays, we'll uh, rooting for UF had tweeted us. He says, why do the Rays continue to cobble together a rotation every fifth game when they have Yanni Chirinos available? Well, it's a good question, and and probably people more with more knowledge of Chirinos than I have will have a better answer I like I like Yanni Chirinos. I mean, I, you know, there was a time before his arm injury that 
he was a very re- reliable starter. I still think that when he throws strikes with that kind of cement mixer sinker that he has, he can induce a lot of ground balls, um, preferably not walk many people. And I like him. You know, he, he's got kind of a rubber arm. He can go deep into games. I think you can use him in a lot of different ways as as an as a starter, as an opener, even even for a long relief if he needed him. I'm not sure why he's not here. Um that's that's I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer for you. I don't know why I think I think they could use him. He may not be as versatile as some of the guys they have down in the bullpen. He certainly doesn't throw as hard. You know, he's not got that you know, consistent 90, 95 plus fastball, but he still gets it up there fast enough. I, I don't have a great answer for you. I don't know why he's not up here. All right. We'll uh, switch to the Bucks here on mailbag questions. And Healy had uh, tweeted us. He says, now that we know that Coach Bowles told to- or Tristan Wirfs that he might switch to left tackle immediately at the end of last season, at what right. point do you think Todd Bowles knew he had to build the offense up from scratch with a new offensive coordinator? Was it last year during the bye week? Was it training camp? Or was it when Arian stepped down last spring? I don't think it was an area when Arian stepped down. I think he was hopeful that they would continue to put up a lot of points. I mean, this is a team that had averaged 30 points a game with Brady. Um, a couple things happened that I don't. I still don't think were Byron Leftwich's fault, and we've documented them. I mean, Brian Jensen goes down the second day of training camp. And you've got Robert Hainsey, who has not played, and he he's going to be your center, and then – you draft a guy that's a tackle at right side, at right tackle, and you move him to left guard, and he faces some of the most elite defensive tackles or three techniques in the game the first four or five games in a row. Um, you had a quarterback that was playing hot potato with it that was you know, unloading it faster than he had at any point in his career. There was a lot of things that were sort of wrong you know, from, from the get-go. So... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what could have gone better for them given given the circumstances. I just think that you know, Leftwich was the scapegoat. I, I I don't know that he would have been Todd Bowles' cup of tea because one thing about Todd and people have talked about this is that you know defensive coaches in general tend to want to run the ball more because they want to protect their defense, and that's just the reality of things. They just do. I, I I just think they see the game a different way because they're the ones having to go in after a quick change or your your team goes three and out on offense or if you throw it 50 times a game. I think they just they understand what it takes to play defense and they'd like a little bit of help and so they tend to they tend to want to run the ball a little bit more. So I would Todd have changed coordinators if he had a chance if he if he wasn't handed the job on March 30th, he might have. I thought he was going to fire Byron Leftwich during the season, and and I think they got through the bye week and then went to Germany, and that became their their sort of bell bellwether game. I mean, that was the one that they looked like they knew what they were doing. They were balanced. They could run the ball. They could throw the ball, um, except for kind of a shaky second half by Brady. Um, they did a hell of a job against a really good football team, and I think after that they were like, okay, we're on our way, and then and then it didn't happen. Um, and they didn't want to make a, a drastic change, you know, throughout the middle of the season. I'm not sure what they would have done. You put Harold Goodwin in charge. You put Clyde Christensen in charge. I don't know. Um, but Todd Bowles let his guys coach. He got to the end of the year, didn't like what he saw, and he made changes. Uh, 
So, you know, Dave Canales is his guy. He wasn't for a lack of interviewing people. They talked to everyone. Um, what they're going to do this year is what Todd Bowles wants to do. I'm not sure why he didn't have a more active voice in saying, damn it, we're going to run the ball or run the ball here, Byron, or I don't care, Byron, we're running the ball. But that's not what Todd did. That's not his style. Uh, he went around and asked people to fix things, and they didn't get it fixed, and now they're out of jobs. And so his effort to fix it is a new coordinator and new coaches. Um, we'll see how it works. But, you know, I I don't know that he went into it saying, you know, boy, I wish I had a different offense because, like I said, under Arians, um, and, and I don't know, Arians didn't game plan or anything like that, but the previous three years, you know, they are averaging 30 points a game. I mean, you know, you got to take that as a head coach too. And, and now he's got his guy, so let's see how they do. Let's see if uh, – and it's not about scoring points – but, you know, it's about winning. But when you go to 18 points a game, your defense has to be elite to try to win those games. And and very few are, uh, much less the Bucks. So this is his guy. There's no excuses. Um, this, this, should be, this should be more representative of what Todd Bowles wants uh, on his offense this year. All right, Yasser has emailed us. He says, we Bucks fans are not necessarily attached to Kyle Trask. We are just realistic. Unlike the last two seasons of Super Bowl or bust, this season we need to answer the long-term questions such as, one, can Dave Canales call plays? Two, can Todd Bowles win despite an average roster? And most importantly, three, is the long-term answer a quarterback currently on the Bucks roster, regardless who it is, or should the Bucks target a quarterback next offseason? Irrespective of the final record, isn't it equally important to test both our quarterbacks with real game action in 2023? Or should we waste 2023 to evaluate Baker Mayfield and 2024 to evaluate Kyle Trask? Wow. Um, look, I think they're both going to play this year, come hell or high water, uh, whether that's injuries, whether that's somebody being ineffective. I think I think it's rare that, you know, we, we've just come through three years of Brady who's like, you know, he's the outlier in so many categories, especially in terms of his durability. You know, it, it's just in Mayfield last year and Carolina started out the year and he got hurt and he's been hurt in Cleveland and, and, you know, not the biggest guy in the world and so on and so forth. If you look at that schedule, um, they need to, they need to put a, up a win pretty early against Chicago at home for their home opener. Cause they start at Minnesota then they come home against Chicago. Then they're home against the Eagles. They're not going to be favored on a Monday night game against the Eagles. So if you don't beat Chicago, if you lose at Minnesota and Chicago comes here and beats you and you're playing the defending NFC champions, Philadelphia Eagles, and you take the L there, you know where you go the next week? At New Orleans. Okay. Yeah, that's a good place to get your first win. So you could be looking very easily at 0-4. Now, the schedule's easier the second half of it, but then there's a bye week after four wins, or four games. Look at me, four wins. Win after four after four games. So there's kind of a natural interruption. If you wanted to make a change of quarterbacks, you could right there. Um, I, they're not going to play them both unless they have to, and the old adage, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Um, but you could also paint a scenario where Mayfield plays really, really well and that, you know, an off season that he hasn't had for three seasons really helps him. And there's enough pieces left from a Super Bowl team with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Russell Gage and, and, you know, 
their offensive line that they're sort of retooling or rebuilding with Tristan. Maybe and you know, and a running back that they're very, very high on and Rashad White, maybe, maybe they're pretty good. Like maybe maybe all they gotta do is score more than eighteen points a game and they're better than last year. And that's with Brady. Okay. So it's not a high bar to get over, to be honest with you, especially in a division as sort of quarterback challenged as this one. I mean, you say Derek Carr is far and away probably the best quarterback in the division because you don't know what uh, Bryce Young is going to do yet. You don't know what Desmond Ritter is going to do yet. Um, but all those teams have issues, and they play a lot of rookie quarterbacks throughout the league. Um, but I I think they're where the rest of the NFL is. If you don't have a guy, you're looking for a guy, and that's where they're at. And so you have teams like the Bucks had done for years and years before Brady got here, which is change the coach, change the quarterback. Um, but you're not just going to play Trask. You know, I, I, I kind of, I even have a problem a little bit with the Bucks in this in this sense. Is like, well, he's earned it. Well, what has he earned? You know, because he because he went out to work every day. Because he's on, first guy in, last guy out. Like he didn't complain about not getting a helmet. Like you're getting paid. You guys did pay him every week, right? He's a professional. That's his job is to get better every day, whether he plays or not. Um. So this whole notion about, well, he's earned a chance. Let's just run him out there and see what you got. Well, they see him every day in practice, and they saw him in Atlanta, and they saw him go three for nine, and I don't think they were surprised by it necessarily. Like, And now he's got a new offense to learn, and it may or may not fit him. Um, I think he's going to get his chance to play, but it'll have to be just that. Like, You'll have to earn it or you'll have to be in that role where somebody ahead of him isn't very good or gets hurt. That's my opinion. Could be wrong. Maybe he wins the job. But do you? we got to see what we have in Kyle Trask. What were the last two years for? I mean, again, I go back to this notion that like you get paid millions of dollars to evaluate players. It's like, yeah, well, we can't evaluate this old adage. Like, well, you say I have no experience, but if you won't play me, I can't get any experience. Well, go out and earn it. You know, Tom Brady used to say something interesting when he was talking about being like number seven on the depth chart at Michigan when he got there. He's like, you know what? At first, I might get every blue moon they'd give me a rep. And I realized that, you know what? If I get one rep, I better kill it. Like, I better absolutely execute to the best possible ability so that the next time they give me two. And if I get two, I got to fight my ass off to get three. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just like, well... He got up every day and he, he woke up and put on a pair of pants and went to work. And for that reason, damn it, he deserves to start. What? Wait, what? Coaches don't get they don't get extensions. They don't get to keep their jobs because they they're good to people, because they make guys feel better about themselves. You know? It's about winning, man. And that's that's all it should be about. You know? Developing players, sure. You want to do that, but you want to do that as you win. And and Tom Brady didn't take any shortcuts. Nobody handed him anything. You know, you want to start? Go out and kill it. Go out and, and make them refuse to let them sit you. That's how you that's how you get these jobs. That's how you keep these jobs. You know, you've got to take it. And maybe maybe Trask will. But I think if you get to the point where Mayfield wins the job, then your goal is he's gonna keep he's gotta keep winning. You pick them not just because you feel good about him and you want to give him a chance because he's a nice guy or former number one pick. You picked him because you think he has the best chance to win, and you need to win. Your future is tied to his future. I'm not going to pick a guy that I don't think is going to help me 
keep my job. But it's funny to me. It's like everybody, well, Trask deserves, he's earned, what has he earned? He's earned his paycheck. He's earned the right to go out there and compete. And one day he'll have to play. And if he's, you know, as John Gruden used to say, I tell you what, man, you either get exposed or you're exposed or you expose somebody else. You're going to expose or get exposed. And that's what happens when you play. Sometimes it's better if you don't. But there will come a time when Trask is either going to expose other people or get exposed. I think he'll play, but it's got to be organic. It can't be just, you know, let's see what we got. They'll say let's see what we got when the season gets away. Like I said, first four games, keep in mind, if you don't win in Minnesota and you come home against Chicago and you lose that one, then you got the Eagles at home followed by at at New Orleans. An 0-4 start, no matter who the starter is, is going to bring a lot of calls for the backup quarterback to take over. Um, And if they go back and forth all year, there'll be like a lot of teams, and that's how you lose. Um, So they got to hope that their starter, whoever it is, takes it and runs with it. Um, Otherwise, it's going to be a long year. All right, we got some more mailback questions we'll get to on the lightning and one really good baseball question tomorrow. Just real quickly, there's not much time. I want to delve into this subject a little bit more, but I'm sure that you guys saw where the Live Tour is now merging with the PGA. That was one of those. Merging, they bought it. They bought it. They bought it, essentially purchased it, yeah. The PGA board is running it, but the Saudis own it now. They own it, and and that's the Saudi money, the very same Saudi money that – board members of the PGA and and their golfers railed against because a lot of them considered it blood money. I mean, we know about um, 911, for example. A lot of the, the uh, survivors and victims and families of that are very upset, obviously because of Saudi Arabia's uh, role in that. Um, and obviously the murder of, of uh, the Washington Post reporter, Khashoggi, and all that. So there's, you know, it's such a, it's such a, th- a one, 180 with the rhetoric that went back and forth. I don't know what Tiger Woods is going to think of this. I don't know what Roy McIlroy is going to say. There was a lot of vitriol. And, and, oh, by the way, those players that went to the Live Tour did so for that Saudi money, some of them making reportedly as much as $90 million, like Phil Mickelson uh, or Dustin Johnson. They're not going to give that money back. But what's ironic is, the PGA golfers aren't going to suddenly be making that either, but there might be some kind of a of a fund. <laughs> Go fund me. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Uh, try to get them up to speed. You know, maybe they'll let them play in some fly in some fancy jets and and you know stay in some really nice hotels in Dubai. I don't know. Um, this thing sort of stinks, to be honest with you. Um, None of the and, players knew to the last minute. It's right. been being negotiated for seven weeks. I mean, it, it seems like a long time, but for the rhetoric that went back and forth, and 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 really, to be honest, I mean, aside from the money, you know, when you saw these guys that, I mean, like, you know, Kepka and others that came and won majors when, when they were allowed to play in the majors, the golf was still good, but they had no TV contract. They were on the WB, I think. CW. Um, or CW, yeah, one of those stations. Uh, and so, you know, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind, except for the golfers that got paid a hell of a lot of money. And now they've got it all. They've got the PGA back, and they keep their money, and, and now they've sold 
the league to the Saudis. We'll talk more about this in, as we get more details about how this is all going to break down. I would just say this. Somebody asked me, somebody made this statement to me. I won't tell you who it is because I don't want to get him in trouble. Um, but it was in an NFL press box. We were talking about the live tour as it was starting up. And they looked at me and they go, now imagine that the Saudis buy the National Football League. Now what? Why, if they can do it with golf, what's to stop them? Well, they've already got in soccer, Cristiano Ronaldo has gone to a Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. team. Kareem yep. Benzema is going leaving Real Madrid to go to a Saudi Arabian team. Yep. They're trying to sign Lionel Messi. Sure. Although I know MLS is still trying to sign him where he would play for Barcelona the year or two and then come over to enter Miami. But the money, my mm-hmm. goodness. You know? Well, but, but now if you're players, I mean, look at the golfers. The ones who fought it and said we're going to take a stand and not, didn't get right. paid, and now they're owned by the Saudis anyway. Right. Instead yeah, of the guys who went and got 50, 60, 90 million dollars. And they're just back on the PGA, but they got their money. Mm-hmm. You missed the gravy train. Like, you missed the train, and it was supposed to be the scarlet letter, and I can't believe you sold out. Well, now how do you like us? Now we own you. Now we're in charge. Scoreboard. You know? It's going to be tough to play for these guys. You know, some of the guys that took real stands against this and for real good reason, I think, in, in many cases, um, I would struggle. I would really be struggling with what just happened, especially with the leadership of the PGA, because they also took a stand against it and for all these same reasons. And now, oh, you've got money? Oh, okay, sure, here you go. We'll take the money. It's just, it's it's not good. I don't think it's going to be good for golf. I think about Jack Nicholas, who's who's very anti you know, he, he was way behind the PGA on this thing. You're talking about iconic players, Tiger Woods. I can't wait to hear what they have to say about this. It's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be good at all. In fact, I wonder, and, and of course, Tiger has his own problems with his health and all that. I wonder if he'll ever play again because of this. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see just, you know, how upset some of these guys are. I mean, this is their livelihood. They don't. It's not like they go form their own golf league. Although, that's sort of what they did with the Saudi money. But we'll talk. We'll talk more about it as we get more details. Just want to make sure we brought that up and didn't ignore it. Um, so yeah, tomorrow, Rays continue their series against the Twins. We've still got Bucks OTAs. We won't be there, but always news as we get ready for the mandatory minicamp next week. Uh, Todd Bowles said that he does expect everybody to be there because, as he said, it's mandatory. So. Lots going on. Um, hope you join us again. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.